Craig. Oh, it was a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with the Cougs. Oh, such a perfect day. Clay and Stefan Isaac Bonton. Clay and Stefan Isaac Bonton. I love that. Yep. <laughs> that was so awesome. I got something else to play for you. Okay. Hold on. Ready? Yeah. This is something we haven't heard in a long time. Okay. Hold on. It's not. Uh, just, uh, great podcasting right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true yeah just so loud the place just you know exploding a uh an almost full beasley coliseum definitely full student section definitely full student section yeah i was fortunate if i had, uh went down to the uh uh, to to the floor to get ready for the clay ceremony, at and uh, so I was just down there, and there was like four seconds left. I'm like, well, I'll video this. You, you never know. <laughs> and then Bonton, and so I got this nice video right of the facing the student section, all of them going going nuts. So it was yeah. pretty great. Yeah, it was awesome. That was fantastic. Have you ever noticed that uh, Craig sounds kind of like Clay, and that means you're practically brothers? I sound like Clay. <laughs> no, no, like like the like your name. Your, your oh, name. oh god. It's like I don't know. I've never heard that before, but <laughs> your name Craig and Clay kind of sounds similar. They start and with the same the same sound. Sound same and have a, a similar sound in sound. the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I you guys I get, are basically twinsies. I I'll be like in public and I hear people say people say hey and I I think they say my name so I'm sure Clay has that same issue. That was like the the time that I drove past you were walking down the street. Do you remember this walking down the street with your dad? Yeah. And uh, and I was like you know we just happened to be in Tacoma and I saw you and I was like oh I'm gonna yell at Craig and then like I yelled hey Craig and then like you like looked around and you're like huh? and I was like actually I realized that probably was very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> You just had this bewildered look on your face like, did somebody say my name? And this is what you told me later. Or did somebody say, hey? <laughs> and it, was it to me or someone? Yeah, anyway. But yeah, yeah. This, is, this is Podcast versus Everyone. Yes, it is. I'm Craig Powers, not Hey Powers. Uh, <laughs> not Clay Powers. With me, not Clay Powers. Um, and with me is Jeff Neuser. Yo. His name does not sound like any does common sound. things that yell people, people yell. But there are a lot of Jeffs in the world. Yeah, that is true. But but you know, most of the time when when people yell, you know, Nooser or Hey Noose, like it, like I know it's me. Like it's nobody else. Yeah, so it is that that is the one advantage of being. I I literally do not know any Noosers outside of my family, my immediate family. It's kind of weird. It's always yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, I did make contact once with a with a Nooser who it was weird like he found me because uh of a mike leach thing because he was i think a student at texas tech or something hmm. and like i was he emailed me and he's like hey i don't know many newsers i'm like neither do i that's kind of cool I, we're probably related maybe somehow i don't know so anyway. all right well yeah hey, sir, let's let's talk about this beautiful weekend that we just had <sighs> at wsu we'll start with basketball because i mean that was the uh i mean gosh dang like basketball football coach yeah 
we just got found out our new defensive coordinator today or I yesterday. Know. Like it's just it's wild. We like, got a lot of ground to cover. I mean, we yeah. got our football coaches out there buying drinks for people. Yeah. Like man. let's uh let's start with the basketball weekend. Yeah. Um maybe we'll go in reverse chronological order here because we gotta talk about the clay day. Um just uh just from from WSU's standpoint, a perfectly executed uh event. Like it was so well done. Um I'm I'm sh- I'm I'm sure you saw it, you know, when uh they you know, they put the shirts out for everyone. Um so the clay day shirts and, and I got one for you, don't worry. Yeah. And then um you. and then uh uh they the students were hyped, they were ready to go. Um they didn't know what to do very much. <laughs> They're not used to this. Uh, they have not seen one minute of good basketball in the last like five years. Yeah, they they uh you know I think if a little more seasoned crowd would have uh you know been cheering on defense a little more and yeah. and chance on offense, but you know whatever I don't, I don't blame them. Uh, I remember when uh, we were uh, just rising in two thousand seven, and you know a lot of people just didn't know what to do, and it's yep. fine. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was uh, they had um. At each uh, timeout break in the first half, they had uh, video messages on the video board for Clay from Mike Krzyzewski, who coached him on Team USA, um, from Tony, um, and from Steve Kerr, um, and uh, former WSU players that played with him, although a lot of them were just sitting right next to him as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was just a really, really well done event. The halftime ceremony was so great. I don't think they were ready for Clay to talk that much. <laughs> that, th- are you suggesting they were not ready for him to take the microphone three damn times? Yeah, and he uh, just—he was just—I I, I don't like, think fuck it, man. This is my day. I'm doing whatever I want. <laughs> I'm just and gonna it's take like, that damn mic three you times. Of, you think about Clay when when he was at WSU. He's just not really right that guy but just you know becoming this sort of international celebrity is <laughs> to change him a bit well yeah i think we all remember the uh you know the the pretty now famous you know apology right yeah you know the ucla game after he got you know suspended and uh you know whatever and and people were just like amazed that he took the microphone and, and part of that is you know the the personal accountability and obviously not many people would would do that so publicly but the other piece was you know clay was just known for being you know really quiet and avoiding interviews and and him jumping on a microphone just seemed to be sort of the antithesis of what we knew of him and to see him change from that to uh, to this you know obviously he's uh, he's well traveled at this point he just won three championships so that's part of it and then you know he's he's basically the uh, NBA's ambassador to China at this point right and so mm-hmm. um you know he's he's gotten obviously much much more comfortable and uh, it, it was just like the best part I think and you know you can speak to this much more than I can because you were actually like you were there and i'm sure you'll talk about this too you got you know you got credentialed and so you got some access that a lot of other people didn't get um but just the the fun that he was having with it yeah and i think that's the uh, that's i mean you talked about how wsu pulled it off and and you know that that's one half of the equation right is is you know not screwing it up from the event standpoint and wsu did it and i you know i i, I put it, all really all of the credit for that I think goes to Pat Chun and not that there weren't other people involved because there definitely were and they also deserve credit but Pat Chun has raised the bar 
um, at our university in terms of, of this sort of stuff, because, you know, I've been a kook for 25 years and all I've ever known is screwing up that kind of stuff. And so to see them pull this off and to see them pull off game day and, you know, these things so flawlessly, you know, is still sort of startling. So that's half of it. But the other half is, you know, you you need your guest of honor to play along. Right. And and he definitely did. And he was having so much fun with it. And, and the, the celebratory atmosphere, uh, was really enhanced by the way he, uh, carried himself during, during the entire thing. So, uh, yeah. So like, just so impressed with clay. And so like, just thought it was awesome that, um, you know, that he expressed the same kind of love for our university that we all have. And uh, that doesn't always happen with athletes, right? Cause they live a, a little bit of a, a, of a different life than a regular student. And, and so to see clay, you know, just sort of act like all of us when we get to go back to Pullman, right. especially if it's been a while, uh, it was just like the whole thing top to bottom was so cool. Yeah. It, and it was really cool just in, you know, what, you know, uh, you know, I was fortunate to get to be down on the floor for the ceremony and just looking at his face the whole time was just like just the emotions on his face that just the happiness like he was just uh for that halftime uh ceremony and then we we had some media time with him for about seven or eight minutes it was just big smiles just you know like you said just like any coog that goes back to pullman and just all the nice things he had to say about wazoo um like he's He's obviously, uh, you know, he's such a famous person now, but he's still one of us. And and you had that feeling and that vibe from him. And just the way he treated his uh, former players, who, you know, who they're not these big celebrities and stuff, but, like, they were sitting in the – I'm sure you saw that video. They're sitting in the, in the rows behind him. And uh, after they uh, – I think when they were doing the – after the back home song, he like went up where and um, had them come down and and sit and so they in, on the court side so they got to sit like next to Steph Curry, right? <laughs> all that stuff like how cool is Zaza that? Zaza Pachulia. You know? Yeah, like like it's yeah like and and another thing that WSC did man with, with Rolovich coming out with you know they they made those the football jerseys for Clay and Zaza and and, and, and Steph. Steph and that's really cool so and. Uh, and you could just tell that um, Steph Curry was having a blast and uh, he was into the game. Like, it was kind of crazy. He was definitely, like, doing interviews. Like, he was, like, in and out of his seat. He wasn't always there. But he caught, you know, you'd look down and he'd be um, celebrating all the players. They, like, point to them when they make a big play. Like, it was just such a unique and, like, it was a perfect atmosphere. And the game couldn't have gone any better because really, like, Winning was one thing, but just that offensive outburst yeah. was kind of perfect considering who was in attendance. Yeah, and, yeah, and it like, absolutely was. And, and it made it it made it a lot more fun to win that way. Like, obviously, we're a defensive oriented team, but just to blow the doors off someone offensively, one point two seven points per possession, like right. that's that's pretty fucking wild. And 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 it was just uh, like every everything about the day, um, just to get to you know talk to the players after the game um it clearly meant a lot to them um to have clay and steph and and zaza you know nba players particularly clay and steph obviously uh there and and just yeah it was it was so cool just everything that wsu did everything that and then in the way clay embraced it i mean just him just to 
show you like how much it meant to him that he brought Steph Curry and Zaza Pachulia. Like he brought them with him, and and and, and other Warriors. Um, uh, people involved in Warriors organization. Well, and the like, fact that they would want to come too right. says a lot about Clay, right? Yeah, like come, come, come to this uh, small town where it's snowing and twenty degrees with me for the weekend. How about right. that on your days off? Like, come do that with me. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like it's. I, I think um, you know, like I said, that says a lot about Clay, right? That these guys would. Um, you know, join him there. And then just the whole Warriors organization, right? I mean, he flew up on the owner's private plane, private jet. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Warriors, you know, I, I, I follow the Warriors pretty close because of Clay, right? And I, I right. lack an NBA team in my hometown. And so, you know, I've followed the Warriors ever since Clay went there. And and so, you know, I follow all their social media. And and this was a really big deal for them. And I gotta I, I gotta say, when when all of this was announced, you know, months ago, right? Where um, it, it was like, yeah, we're going to retire Clay's number. This is going to be cool. And I was like, okay, cool. You know? And then just everything about it, uh, since then has, has exceeded what I thought it would or could be, if that makes sense. Like I just kind of went, oh, that's nice. They're going to retire his number. And I mean, I've seen, I mean, I don't know, like I've seen, you know, the Mariners retire numbers. I've seen, you know, ring of honor stuff at Seahawks games and, and you know, and I'll just be honest, like, it's not, it's not a, I don't know. Like, it's not a massive deal. It's not like a, you know, I'm, I don't like, I'm trying to describe it, but it's, it's just sort of like, yay, that's nice. You know, right. give my hand and okay. Um, this was a celebration on par with something I've never seen for this kind of a thing. And, you know, when the Mariners do it, you know, they do it before the game and, you know, everybody gives a little speech and the crowd, you know, politely claps. Um, this was just like just much more joyful than anything I've seen. Uh, the love fest between the the fans and the player. And, and like I said, the way the Warriors even thought like this is super like they pumped it up on their, you know, and, and I understand, you know, part of that might be that their season is going super shitty right. and that uh, they don't have a lot of good stuff happening right now. So, you know, anything that's like, hey, look at this cool thing that's happening with one of our guys who's injured, um, one of our heroes, you know, maybe that's part of it, too. But but still, um, the fact that, that the Warriors organization thought it was a pretty big damn deal, I think just sort of added to the to the whole thing and um it could not have gone more perfectly like you said right down to the fact that it, it was sort of an offensive game right which isn't always the case uh for us you know a lot of the games we play kind of end up being you know grinded out defensive games um our offense can be kind of painful at times and and thanks to Isaac Bonton going absolutely bonkers uh, it, it was, it was a fun, you know, up and down. I mean, we scored 89 points in 70 damn possessions. Like that's like, we, we haven't had, well, we have not had one of those all year and not I don't know. Close. And I, yeah, I mean the closest was probably the first game of the year against Seattle. And yeah. that was, I think 1.18 points per yeah. possession instead of one, two, seven. So yeah, it just like the, the whole thing just fit together, fit together perfectly. And, and I really hope. Uh, you know, you mentioned the students, uh, you know, one of the biggest things was that I was hoping this would kind of happen so that students would go, yeah, this is cool. We can get behind this, um, you know, and, and start showing up. And I, and I haven't blamed them for not showing up. Like, I get it. <laughs> you know, uh, basketball has been trash since they've been there. But, um, you know, maybe now they'll they'll maybe kind of fall for this team a little bit and uh, and, and come out and, and maybe we can start growing something organically again, like when you were in school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what one might say, uh, this event 
would make it slightly less organic, maybe a little more inorganic. That is true. But, that is but, true. It, but, it, but if, man, if it, if it brings students back, yeah. and we had Arizona State and Arizona, so Arizona in two weeks, is, is uh, they're going to probably be, well, if, unless they lose um, between now and then, but they have a chance of being ranked when they come in. And, yep. And they're, they're a known commodity. And uh, so hopefully that Saturday and, and that Thursday with Arizona State, they can get more students out. I think, you know, the Oregon win helps too. Yeah. Um, I think just that that couldn't have been played out more perfectly uh, because I know for a fact, um, uh, you you know, uh, Brad and Brian, and, and so I just as an example, uh, they, uh, they basically booked their trip to Pullman after we beat Oregon because they just couldn't resist anymore like they yeah. they, they had like they and so I, I I think there was a lot of kooks like because I think they sold quite a few tickets in the last you know two days before the game after Oregon so beating Oregon kind of set the stage like it, it made the game feel more big time it made the program feel more big time yeah um, like it wasn't just a like you mentioned the Mariners it feels like every time they honor someone from 1995 it's just like don't worry about what's going on right now. Right. Nothing like, to see here. Nothing to see here. Look at, remember these guys? They were awesome, right? Remember? Yeah. But, but the heroes just felt like, no, the game matters too. Like, and, yeah. and, and we've, we've beat, beaten a top 10 team two days ago. And, and, uh, so there's an expectation to win and there's an expectation to play well. And, and yeah, it, it was just the weekend basketball couldn't have gone any better. Like it was just so perfect. Um, I, man, I wish I would have, uh, I, there was, I had thoughts, um, of a couple months ago, of like going to the Thursday night game and, and then going, but, uh, I ended up couldn't do that, but, but it would have been pretty cool to be there for Thursday too. But, but just, yeah, just, I, I'm so happy that, uh, that I'm, I'm happy that I kind of, uh, decided to go with the credential route. I couldn't cheer and I didn't wear kook stuff, but uh um it was still really fun to be able to, you know, be in the press room at, at halftime when Clay was talking to us and then, you know, be get to ask Coach Smith and get to ask uh Bonton Ellaby and Noah Williams um questions after the game. Um there was uh, I was talking to Bill Stevens, the um the SID for WSU. And, um, he, uh, he was telling me that I was like, did you get a lot more credential, like, you know, requests? He's like, well, it wasn't necessarily that they got more requests for press passes. It was just that the people that always have them use them like us (laughs) and, and, you know, like probably like the Lewiston paper and, um, whatever else like that, that may not always send people. Um, they definitely sent them for this game. So yeah, the, the press row was full and, you know, uh, um, and so I'm glad that, you know, I was able to be there for that. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun where they have you, have you sit cause you're like right above the students. So you're kind of in the, in the raucous part of the, yeah of the, of the arena and, and just, yeah, yeah just, uh, being able to like walk down around, you know, during the game and, and walk down to the floor and just like walk right, right behind where Steph and Clay were sitting and, uh, it's kind of funny if you, uh, um, on the Pac-12 um, broadcast at the end of the game, uh, you can see me behind. They're showing Clay celebrating. You can see me walking behind him because um, I'm trying to get get over to the, you know, get over to the um, 
to the floor to take some pictures, but it was pretty cool. It was just fun to kind of feel that involvement and, um, WSU's, uh, people, Ben and, uh, Ben Lasky and Bill and, um, everyone were, uh, very welcoming, very nice. We're, we're very fortunate, uh, that they treat, uh, you know, a lowly, uh, internet blog, um, with respect and, and give us this access when we want it. Um, cause we know that, uh, particularly in, in the, in the South and the SEC, uh, not all of our counterparts get that same sort of, uh, treatment. So it was really nice to get that and just, yeah, just an all around incredible day. And then, then I gotta go celebrate, uh, you know, after I typed up my recap, I gotta go celebrate at the Coug with, uh, Preston and, uh, Kyle Sherwood and bunch, bunch of other people. Um, I'll give shout outs to Brendan who, uh, um, a fan of the podcast who, um, I, I met in, uh, Phoenix as well and Mark. Uh, so we got to hang out with some of our listeners and chat with them. And yeah, it was all just a, a real joyous, fun day. And, uh, it was a good day for the kooks. Yeah. I'll give that shout out to Bill Stevens too. He's one of the best in the business. Uh, I've worked with, <laughs> I've worked with a number of SIDs over the years, not too many in the last, you know, however many years. Cause I don't, you know, get out much anymore. But, uh, once upon a time, he used to work with a lot of them. Bill's very good and he's very gracious to us and, uh, really just a super dude. Um, and I think it really helps too, that, you know, he's a Coug also, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of people maybe not don't know this, but you know, former, uh, men's tennis player at Washington state. So we used to nice. have those, uh, yeah. Well, how about the game? Um, yeah. So I missed the first half because I was coaching fourth graders, as I mentioned on the podcast last week. That's why I wasn't going to the game. Uh, but I did catch the halftime ceremony and then obviously caught um, the second half. When I saw the halftime score, I was like, I was like whoa, 46 <laughs> 40, huh? Whoa. Not a lot of defense being played, uh, which apparently was, was the not. case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so when I started watching the second half, uh, they came out in that zone, played zone for a little while, um, before switching to the man to man. And, you know, when they switched back to the man to man, it seemed that that really made the difference, uh, in the game. So I don't know, maybe kind of, uh, speak a little bit to the, the, the change between the first half and the second half that, uh, that allowed them to, to pull away. Well, yeah, that they got absolutely shredded inside, which was what we worried about. Um, coming in this game in the yep. first half, uh, Tinkle and and uh, some of their guards were getting penetration and and uh, you know they were getting easy finishes for their bigs. Um, they're definitely a, a big athletic front, like a big athletic team. Like uh, um, they have they have some players and they have some athleticism on their on their squad. They got one of the best shot blockers in the country, but um, yeah, they just. It was just a frustrating, but it, you know, obviously the Cougs were hitting shots, um, so that was that was helping, you know, sort of stem the tide of getting to blood, obviously. But uh, yeah, the defense uh, in the second half. So I'll say, um, twenty-eight of Oregon State's first thirty points were in the paint. Like that's just wild. Uh, I think it was <laughs> it was thir- thirty-four of their forty points at halftime were in the paint. Wow. So uh, yeah, that's it w- a lot. They yeah they were it was just layup after layup after layup after layup and luckily the Cougs were hitting shots too because you know down in on my end I was kind of more towards uh, the Beaver end so I was just watching you know layup 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 right um, so but uh, yeah in the second half like you said uh, you know they came out in that zone which they've done a few times it didn't and and, and Smith said that Smith this when I asked him about it he. 
it didn't really work that well. It didn't, it kind of slowed them down a little bit, but then they hit a couple threes and he didn't mention that, but I, I, they hit like a couple threes in a row. And then they came after the next time out, they were not in that zone anymore. Yeah. Like once Oregon state hit a couple threes, cause then it's, yeah, if you're giving up open threes, uh, that's you're defeating the purpose of right. You know, anything. Uh, so yeah, they came out in that zone and there was just, I, it's almost like they tasted it. I think they they saw the opportunity because they the they played really hard and and DJ Rodman um, Smith called out in the post game presser and he was on Tinkle much of the game. He played a I assume a career high thirty minutes. I, yeah, I don't definitely. Think. Yeah, definitely um, career high. Yeah, I think he had he was at like twenty three on Thursday, so he's definitely he's in the rotation now. Yep. Um, but uh, his uh. You know, I guess his uh, his dad is known for being one of the better defenders in, in NBA <laughs> yeah, history. But... Yeah, yeah, he's all right. He yeah, okay. but uh, but yeah, like he, uh, you know, Tinkle, you know, it felt like Tinkle was doing well just because he kept scoring, but it actually took him twenty shots to get twenty two points. 22. That's really and good. He only shot four free throws. Um, which he's not a super high volume free throw shooter, but he can be, especially the way he was attacking the basket. So they were playing some really good defense on him. They were forcing him into tough looks. Um, he's just very good, um, but he was held way below his typical efficiency. And 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 Rodman and Smith gave Rodman a lot of credit for that. Um, so uh, that's really encouraging. See a freshman like that play defense and I, I think it's just like against Oregon on Thursday which we'll, we can talk about that game too because we haven't yeah. yet but but uh Bonton's defense on Pritchard uh kind of just threw Oregon's offense off and in, in the second half and I think kind of Rodman making things more difficult for Tinkle uh made it more difficult for the rest of their offense to get going and they're they they kind of, they got a bunch of uh, kind of cheap run out baskets at the end of the game, which I think made the score look a little higher. Yep. Uh, the the game got real sort of up and down and a little sloppy at the end. <laughs> like it was, it was. Uh, I think there was a little te- a little bit of uh, there there. I think Bonton was feeling uh, he he was willing to pile on as much as possible. I don't know. Well, if they noticed. kept guarding him. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like, screw you. I'm going he's to like, the basket. Fine. Then. I'm going to go to the rim then. You know. Like, yeah. That was pretty hilarious. Yeah. I know. I was wondering what people would think of that, but yeah. man, if you're gonna if you're gonna press up on a guy, he has every right to go, you know, go after you. Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, so yeah, I don't know, man. They, they just played better defense. Like they, the zone didn't work. They went back to man to man, which didn't work in the first half. But they just stepped up. It was the same personnel. Like it wasn't anyone different. Um, I think uh, Gervais played less in the second half. Yeah. Uh, Rodman and Noah Williams kind of took over all his minutes. Yep. And, Gervais only uh, played 14 minutes total. Jazz Koontz didn't play as much as the second half either. Seven minutes. Yeah. Um, I think the, most of those were in the first half too. Yep. So they kind of rolled with five dudes in the second half almost the whole, almost the whole entire game. I'm not sure that Koontz played in the second half because I, yeah. I don't recall him coming in, which is why I wondered. I think I asked you this. I wondered if he was hurt. Um let me jump yeah, in. I don't know. He didn't play second much half. Against, he 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 saw his minutes yeah, they drop played, against they Oregon. Played six too. guys. They played six guys in the second half. Yeah, it was and uh, and, and and Gervais only played a few minutes. Yeah, Ellaby, Bonton, and Pollard played all twenty minutes in the second half. 
Uh, Rodman played 18, Williams played 17, and Robinson made up the other five. And that was it. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Wild. So, so yeah, you got two true freshmen. Um, <laughs> right. Just stepping up. Um, if we talk about the rest of the game, obviously, Isaac Bonton, uh, we, I mean, we knew that if his shots fell, he could do this. Yeah. Obviously. And they finally fell. And not to mention his aggression and getting to the free throw line. Um, and maybe getting some more calls. Like, because uh, he goes to the line quite a bit, but I mean, he goes to the rim quite a bit, but doesn't get draw the fouls. So maybe hitting a few shots early kind of got him some more calls later. And, and he hit every single one of his free throws, all 14. And then uh, just hitting deep threes, you know, he, he wasn't taking like it wasn't necessarily a lot of better shots that he was taking. Yeah. He uh he was just hitting them and uh, he's he's definitely ticked up his shooting particularly from the outside one in Pac-12 play. Um he's shooting uh 39% I think from 3 in Pac-12 play. Yep. So he's uh he's definitely been shooting better and and so he was kind of ticking up to this sort of night and then it was just so glad that it happened on this night of of all nights you know just to see him um do so well like it was it was, it was fun like it went, when they, you have a guy that can create his own shot and a guy that's willing to shoot um the these type of things can happen well i know that uh smith mentioned this after the game that that bonton has been one of their you know, best practice players, right on yep. offense. That uh, they they can cons- he consistently grades out well during practice. It's just for whatever reason it wasn't um, you know wasn't translating to games. And so you know to kind of, to see that happen, I think is really cool because we talked a lot you know earlier in the season about like oh my god he's shooting so much and some of the shots are really terrible and and you know we made a lot of uh, I don't know if excuses is the right word but but we had a lot of explanations for why you know, Smith was probably putting up with that. Um, one, one that we didn't do, you know, I, I kind of said, I remember saying that, you know, there must be something there. (laughs) Like there, there must be something we don't know for him to have this kind of leash, um, that, you know, maybe there's just some, you know, Smith just, you know, believes that, you know, he's going to come around at some point. Uh, you know, we also talked about the whole, you know, focus on defense and, you know, just kind of letting the offense work out the kinks without hammering them too hard. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is one of those things where you go, OK, you know, this is where this is where you see it. And he's been, you know, he's been coming around on that for, you know, for a little while now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't like a one game crazy outburst at this point. I think his uh, offensive efficiency in uh, in Pac-12 play is something like like 105 or 107. 109.9. Like 109.9. Yeah. So there we go. So almost 110. Yeah. So. Um, and that is so what like 100 101 would be average right so mm-hmm. um you know to see him he, he's now become you know an above average offensive player and and we've said all along that it, look if this team can get its offense figured out they're all of a sudden really dangerous and that's what we saw this weekend you know you saw uh, on thursday night you saw cj you know just have this monster game against oregon and bonton was okay he wasn't great but he was okay you know 12 points on on 10 shots he did have six assists but also six turnovers um you know and then of course like i said ella you know pac-12 player of the week right um got announced today you know 25 points 14 rebounds three assists one turnover i mean it's just a monster game 
you know, we figured if they could figure out some offense, you know, they they would give some people a lot of trouble. And and that's what we're seeing is is they have, you know, figured some things out a little bit. They're getting, you know, more out of Ellaby when he's, you know, he had that little slump and now he seems to have popped out of it. You know, Bonton uh, has really raised his efficiency. They're starting to get uh, contributions from Noah Williams, right? Like, yeah. you know, I think Noah Williams became everybody's new favorite player on Saturday, or maybe that's just me, but, you know, he's he's taking people to the rim and, and basically just abusing them with his, you know, with his 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five length and, uh, you know, he's all of a sudden he's, you know, he's holding his hands down to the floor like they're too small. They can't guard me. And I'm like, shit, this dude is like the king of the trash talkers. Like, oh, yeah, he, did you see when he when he hit that uh, when he, he got the N one? Yeah. And then he turns and he looks at Stephen Clay and he's holding yeah. his hand down. The he's holding his like, hand they're down like small. they're too small. <laughs> they can't guard me. They're too small. I was just like, oh, my God, this kid is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Smith Smith said in his presser that. They get at least one warning from the officials for Noah every single game. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. I love it, dude. Talk your shit. Go get it. It's amazing. So, you know, you just – they're starting to get offensive contributions from different guys. Um, you know, I think that – you know, inserting Williams into the starting lineup, I think has been, has been a big boost. And I know that was, you know, somewhat, um, you know, injury driven. And, and that's the other thing I think maybe we should just mention really quick and just remind people of as often as possible is this team has been destroyed by injuries. Like dudes who were supposed to play lots of minutes, like Jalen shed, like Dion James, like Marvin cannon. I mean, these guys were supposed to supposed to be like three of the staples and then the you rotation. had a guy who was stepping up in Tony Miller. Yep. And I, I saw him on Saturday in a boot with one of those wheelie. Yep. Like cart so, thing. Like, so he's not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. So to, to be missing so many of these guys and just have having true damn freshmen stand, you know, step up and, and get into the, get into the, um, you know, the, the lineup, you know, starting Williams, I think, and then doing more lineups where CJ's playing the four, um, I think has been kind of a, I, I don't know if it's a stroke of genius or just a stroke of genius due to circumstance, right? Because of the injuries, but, um, but it's been a thing that's worked really, really well for them. It's allowed them to be, um, exceptionally quick. Uh, you know, Isaac Bonton really, you know, most of the time is your, you know, is your smallest guard out there and he's six, three. Right. So, right. um, you know, to, to just kind of do that and, you know, and see another freshman, Ryan Rapp, you know, coming around, um, he's dealing with Smith mentioned this on his coach's show. He's dealing with a potential start of a, of a stress fracture. So that's yeah. probably why he didn't play much in these two games. Uh, but you know, I mean, he was contributing when he got it, when he got a chance, you know, you see DJ Rodman starting to play with some confidence. Noah Williams is, is coming around and, and what that's done is that's taken, uh, Kuntz out of the lineup. And, and as much as, you know, I think people kind of like Kuntz, but, um, I mean, he's a really limited offensive player, right? I mean, he's, he's pretty much a spot up three shooter and he's not even that good at that. Um, and then Gervais Robinson is, you know, you know, bless his heart. He's a really hardworking guy. He plays his ass off on defense. And I think that's why, you know, he was in the starting lineup for so long. But he's 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 a complete non-factor offensively. He just cannot score. Uh, he can't really shoot. He, he just, you know, when he's on the floor. So when he and Kuntz were on the floor together, I mean, you really had two guys who, 
um, you know, were non-contributors offensively. And so now you've, you've taken them out, you've replaced them with, uh, you know, Noah Williams, who is, who is much more of a threat, uh, to score. He's not, not much of a shooter yet, but, um, definitely can, can do some things, putting the ball on the floor. Um, he's a pretty solid passer. I think he's really kind of scratching the surface on that one, had a couple nice ones on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Rodman, I think is, is a better shooter than both Koontz and, and, and Robinson. So, um, you know, getting those guys in there and letting them, uh, you know, boost the scoring a little bit, I think, has has been part of the ripple effect. And it's also, I think, made Bonton, um, you know, so much of his inefficiency early in the year had to do with him. It looked like he felt like I've got to do this all by myself. And yeah. now he looks like he does not have to do it all by himself. Yeah. And and I think Ellaby had some of that impact as well in the first uh, for at the start of Pac-12 play, and he was really, really not shooting well. Um, but Bonton has kind of was even even in the Bay Area. Bonton was pretty good. Um, I, I just it just felt like CJ was a bit more relaxed this weekend. Um, you didn't see him kind of do these fruitless drives as much, like where he's just kind of forcing it inside, and um, you know. And then some of the threes started falling. That helps. Um, for both him that and Bonton. That always helps. <laughs> him and Bonton. Like, yeah. Because yeah. we know we know for a fact that CJ is a better shooter than what he's been shooting this year. Yeah. And and it's finally and we, we talked about the, the deeper three point line and the and the percentages would start ticking up. They are both both Bonton and Ellaby are about thirty two percent right now. They were in the mid twenties earlier in the season. Bonton obviously missed his first nineteen or whatever, so he's actually been they they've both been coming around. Um that's going to help this offense a ton. I do think they're actually running some more sets too. They really yeah. worked that sort of pick and slip with uh, Pollard for about four buckets. Like it, and, yep. and and they worked it against Oregon as well for uh, some really big baskets too. And uh, they've they've kind of found that they've they haven't been doing the uh, Pollard post up as much anymore. Um, that that also tells me that uh, maybe. Maybe they're having some other sets to run. It's not as frequent as it was earlier in the season. Right. Oregon State was not a good team to do it against either. Um, no. Pollard, Pollard, <laughs> Pollard was not a threat to score no. from the post against Oregon State. No, and and uh, also the you know the further you can draw Kelly out away from the basket, absolutely. Know, the better off you are. And, and same thing with I mean, look, we faced USC, UCLA, Oregon and Oregon State and all four of those teams have some really tall dudes <laughs> long dudes inside uh less so with Cal and Stanford um Stanford presented a different kind of challenge but right. um you know those four teams definitely long shot blocker types um you know the more you can draw those guys away from the basket the better and um I, you know like I said I didn't see a whole lot I didn't see the first half I didn't see you know a whole bunch of stuff they were doing but um, you know, my guess is they were really working that continuity ball screen set that they like to use, get Pollard away from the basket. He's got a couple options. You know, he can pop outside to the to the three point line for a for a three, or he can you know slip to the basket. And again, you know, the farther you can draw Kelly out, and that's and that's you know really the advantage of you know again playing playing small. You know, WSU really took advantage of um, having a small lineup out there, but also having, you know, six three, six five, six five, six six, and then you know your six nine post 
um, just present a lot of matchup problems for Oregon State, which is not a good defense, which is sort of insane because Kelly blocks so many shots, and yet their two-point defense was you know fairly mediocre. Uh, all year and so I, I think we kind of saw <laughs> kind of saw why right you know it's outside of him protecting the rim they, they really don't do much else very well defensively so yeah if they yeah. could draw if they have Pollard set those high screens they they kept drawing Kelly out away and they got a lot especially in the second half a, a lot of layups because Kelly just yep. wasn't there to block the shot yeah and and so yeah. that worked out really well like I would not I think Pollard had like five layups in that game I I, I would I would not have expected that coming in. Like I was yeah, lots I thought Pollard of lots was of dishes gonna... from Bonton and Williams. You know, yeah. just finding him wide open. It, it was yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, like that was yeah, it was a beautiful game. Uh, just a yeah. hell of a performance. Um, I, I the defense doesn't look as good because it's one point oh nine points per per possession, but Oregon State also has a very very yes. good offense, one of the better that in is, the country. We, that was Oregon State's sixth lowest offensive efficiency of the season. So, so you know, you yeah. feel good about even though that's like kind of high. Like you feel good about that against that team. Well, yeah, especially when you score a bunch more. <laughs> uh, yep. and, and and now because of that, because this weekend, uh, WSU has poked into the top one hundred and adjusted defensive efficiency in uh, Ken Woo. Palm's rankings. So number ninety nine. It's probably been probably been a decade since that's happened uh yeah right <laughs> roughly probably yeah maybe <laughs> i can't maybe imagine in, they were maybe the, in maybe in clays maybe so the, they were they were good the in NIT clays. year maybe yeah they yeah, were the 39 maybe they were 39th yeah. that year i think that was the only good defense in bones yeah. tenure yeah and that was clay and casto just locking people down just just being exceptional players <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so yeah it's um, been a while any thoughts about about the or? I mean, if we had recorded this five days ago, all we'd be talking about is how uh, how we beat Oregon. Um, but well, you know, talking about the defense th- against Oregon was phenomenal. Yeah, like, that yeah, was it, that was ahead. a pretty quintessential defensive performance for this team. Uh, forcing turnovers on almost twenty five percent of possessions. Peyton Pritchard, for all of his awesomeness, turned it over six times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really kind of crazy just watching it. Um, you know, I, I kind of said like I watched it and I still wasn't quite sure how we did it. <laughs> like, and maybe some of that has to do with the fact that it was it was so close, so close, so close, and then there was just this you know spurt at the end where, um, you know, where we pulled away. So you know, maybe some of it was that you know where it it just was very tenuous, and and then I think you know maybe some of it too was that. Um, you know, the broadcast never seemed to think that we were actually going to pull it off. And I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, they kept maybe mentioning. That's me. they, they maybe that's me of, projecting. I don't know. Yeah. But. I don't know. Like, uh, personally, me, I, 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 I didn't really believe they were going to pull it off until that late burst. Like, yeah. it just, when Pritchard hit that three from the R in Frill Court to cut it to two. Right. Or no, it was right. cut it to two or w- w- one of the times. It was either that or and the, or when he hit that uh, turnaround that, where he was in the lane for about five seconds and, and got an one. Uh, oh, it, it just felt like it was just like – and Pritchard did we, it to It was U-Dub. like, here we go. It was like, here Pritchard, we go. Okay. Pritchard did it to U-Dub on Saturday. Like yes, it, he did. What, what, what I thought he was going to do to us, he did to U-Dub on Saturday. He was hitting – 30 footers and and you know setting up guys in the lane for easy buckets and 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 but that he it was basically like like i said bonton 
his defense on him was kind of preventing him from creating for others. So he was only getting points if he made some ridiculous play. And, right. or, you know, hitting a 30-footer or hitting that turnaround fadeaway, whatever, a very difficult shot, even even if you take away the fact that it should have been a turnover. But um, it was a very difficult <laughs> yeah. shot to make. Oh, but I was just like, I'm watching, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm literally yelling at my TV, three in the key, three in the key. And it's just like, God damn it. You, know, it's you like, could even so say terrible. five seconds closely guarded. God, jeez. Well, but, actually, uh, that's, not a rule, that's not a rule anymore. But oh, it's yeah, not? It had it. It's not. Yeah, they took that out when they went to the thirty-second shot clock. Oh, that makes but, makes but sense. But still, had Washington. that been a rule, yeah, that that would have been. It would have been like it just was so, whatever. Like it was bizarre they didn't call that. But yeah, pack twelve I, refs, yeah. you know, whatever. And but that run to so. end the game uh, was awesome. Like it was, you know, they got the three-point play from CJ. And then they ran that slip, that high screen and slip with Pollard to get another three point play. Yep. And then, yep. and all of a sudden it was an eight point yep. lead. And then, and then they get a, they get a yeah. run out. It was so weird. Lead. Like it was, it was, yeah. and it happened so fast because it was just the three point plays and yeah. then, and then a run out. Like, so it was in less than a minute, they pushed it from two to 10 and there were, and then suddenly there was 40 sec- 45 seconds left and it's over. Like it, like, like, holy yeah. crap, they did it, you know? And, and that's, you know, it was, it was the defense that set that up, but, you know, uh, we, yeah. we talk, we, we joke a lot, like in the Ernie era, like they'd shoot like incredible shooting performances that would just go to waste. And like, cause you know, they'd hit like, like they, hit, so against Oregon, particularly in the first half, they hit that seven of the first nine threes and then they ended up 11 of 21 from three, uh, against you know with ernie it might have been that's that wasn't enough offense to win um but because they're playing defense uh particularly in the second half like they were able to get enough stops and then when you the shots are falling for you when you're getting those three-point plays um when you're getting some fast break buckets suddenly you can put a game away and they did it in both games this weekend and uh Smith, I, I kind of, I've asked, I asked him about that. He made a joke about how, yeah, they, they, well, he had a joke, but I think it was half serious. He's like, well, we work on that behind the back, uh, fast break dish from, uh, Bonton Ellaby, which he did or <laughs> Oregon Bonton. state. Yeah. 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 But, but he said, but he was, he was like, yeah, I, I he uses it in practice a lot. I figured he was going to bust it out, but, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah he, he basically said that, you know, that's, they, it's something they preach, you know, and, and, they work on uh, this stuff, and and we we've seen it with you know defensive focus coaches and and Bennett and stuff like, uh, particularly Tony, not not so much during the Dick years, but like they could finish games because they could just you get those stops when you need them, and you can kind of if you get them at the right time, you you can separate to the point where the the team can't catch up, and, and that's what they did against Oregon and Oregon State, and uh, against Oregon in particular it was impressive just because. Um, yeah. it, I mean, Oregon's really good and yeah, they're really, really, they've won some really tough road games this year. I mean, they won yeah. Michigan, uh, you know, and then, you know, two days after losing to us, they, you know, they won at Washington making a huge comeback. Um, and then also just to kind of illustrate your point about Ernie and, and, you know, obviously comparisons are inevitable, but 
you know, we scored, you know, Ernie was sort of famous for, uh, oh, we were just so close, right? If we just make a couple more shots, we're right there. And, and it was, we would just, you know, roll our eyes so hard. Like, so you were because, supposed to shoot 70% from the floor? Right. Like, like they would have these ridiculous shooting nights and he'd be like, oh man, just a couple shots away. And I'm just like, no, no, you like, you are such a moron. Like, like that's, you were not like it's not reasonable to expect you to shoot better than that. Um, so we scored against Oregon, we scored 1.07 points per possession in that game. Um, so to illustrate your point, nine times last year, we lost games where we scored 1.07 points per possession or more nine times. <laughs> we had, we had games where we scored 1.16 and lost 1.15 and lost 1.15 and lost. Like, like we had some pretty damn good offensive performances last year and lost, you know, and, and it really does just kind of illustrate the difference here. Um, you know, number one that obviously, you know, defense actually matters, but, um, just the way that these guys uh, give themselves a chance to win by playing defense and by continuing to battle. Um, they are really, really, really tough. And, you know, one of the, that was sort of what was startling about that road trip to, uh, to the Bay area was that they, they, they like the toughness just kind of went down a little tick, especially against Stanford. Um, you know, Smith mentioned on his coaches show that when they were kind of getting blown away in the first half they hung their heads a little uh and and then it, it all you know just completely fell apart and they did pull back in the second half a little bit i mean that that had that could have been another you know 50 point loss like last year i guess and and the fact that it wasn't is a good thing but you know they kind of had a little bit of a tick down there and um so that's i'm real curious to see how that transitions to this weekend because um this has traditionally been the toughest road trip uh i don't think just for us i think for most teams uh to go play at colorado and utah so um you know colorado's very very good uh utah is not as good but you know again you know playing them at their place has always been you always play been the second straight game second game in 3 days at elevation when you go right. to utah yeah, and they're and not Utah's that. A, it's a pretty notoriously difficult place to play, just from a, yeah. a, a you know an arena standpoint, right? You know the environment is tough. So, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how they uh, if they're able to carry this uh, away from Pullman. Um, you know, I I really don't expect them to win either one of them. Uh, but it sure would mm. be nice if they you know maybe have put themselves in a position to maybe win one of them. Um, that would be nice. And I, I just would like to see some carryover, um, from this weekend to, uh, to there. And, you know, that may not be reasonable, it, it, you know, I mean, they're not going to get a lot of help with, uh, you know, personnel, right. They're still injured. Those guys aren't coming back. Uh, so going and playing at elevation with a seven man rotation, you know, that, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be tough, but I know Smith will have them ready. Uh, they will, they'll have a good game plan. Uh, it's just, I think a matter of whether they can, you know, uh, you know do it physically which is going to be tough right and uh well the good thing is uh in that seven-man rotation that uh guys like rodman and williams got some major minutes this weekend so you know it won't be a yep. shock to them to have to play and and they have a little more confidence but yeah it's tough colorado's very good um they uh they're 30th in Kempom. they they uh lock it down defensively um pretty much all all the factors uh they're good uh yeah. so it's they they have 
they have some size, not a ton of size, but um, but it's still enough uh, to give us trouble. And yeah, Utah, it's uh, it's funny. <laughs> Uh, WC's actually ranked a, a spot ahead of Utah in the Kempom rankings now, which is a uh, uh, kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> Crazy, but there—that's the game that I—I—I kind of wish that one was on Thursday and not the the back to the the second, you know, the second leg of a of a of a, a road trip because yeah, that's the one they really have a better chance to win. Um, Utah's not very good defensively. Uh, they. Uh, they worst just, worst defense in the Pac-12 in league games. Just horrendous. Yeah. 1.19 points per possession on average. That's yeah. incredibly horrible. That's like Ernie-level defense from a guy who had some tough defenses for a while at Utah. So He's always kind of been an offensive coach, but not not uh, not this bad. So, anyway. Yeah, so I don't – yeah, well, I'm – I mean, yeah, it could be a tough weekend, Uh but yeah, if they could steal one uh, off this weekend, yeah, that would you be. You feel awesome about that thing. Yeah, and then to come into Arizona, st- another tough homestand. Um, like we've said over and over again, this this schedule is not like it's tough. Like um, you know, I got UCLA on the road and Cal at home, and and those are and then Arizona State at home, or you know, you're looking like you know, get those and then like hopefully you can steal some more on the road um but yeah it's 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 a tough schedule the rest of the way and uh again it's but uh, the thing is they surprise the hell out of us this weekend um so yeah, it's, and you feel they, like they, it's po- i mean like it's possible right like you're not you're not going into it thinking we're doomed like you're going into it thinking well Maybe, you know, I'll definitely watch. It'll definitely be interesting, you know. I, I mean, you could you can easily think, say for, for for a two games for a weekend, they played like a top 20 team. So they yeah, they have they it do. in them. Yeah, like They do. They, I mean, they're not a top 20 team, but the, the, it's obviously the, the ceiling. There's a there's a ceiling here, and we saw, hope, you know, we, we probably saw that ceiling this weekend, but they don't necessarily have to play that well to beat Utah or whatever. Um, but no. we know that that like the we know the offense is getting better. Uh, the shooters are coming around. The um, they they seem to run more sets and and more have more fluidity than they did earlier in the season. Um, the defense is going to be there. They the one the one um, kind of worry is that they did not play very defense on their last road trip. So hopefully it's not just a home right. thing. Like hopefully they can get ramp up that defensive intensity on the road. And, and, you know, yep. it, it, it's a good test of that with this weekend. Yep. Yep. Cool. Should we take a break? Yeah, we, we definitely are way overdue. Way overdue for a break. <laughs> ah. Ah. Whatever. <laughs> All right, we're back. Man, <sighs> if, if, if... Nick if, Rolovich bought beer for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like... How about I, that? It's funny. I live about a 45 minute drive from that bar and last night I was very tempted. Um, but, uh, had I not like- been, so I was at a poker night with a bunch of buddies and we were a number of hands deep. And so I couldn't leave. And I, but I was just like, damn it. If I hadn't been that many hands deep, I, I, I totally would have gotten in my car and driven from Graham to go there. I also I just spent the weekend yeah. in Pullman and, um, spent the weekend in Pullman and, uh, a beer was not something I wanted. 
<laughs> and I was why? super tired. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Um, had, had plenty of those with the Coog. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, um, he just sent out that tweet at like 9.15 or something at night. And it's yeah. like, hey, hey, Coogs, uh, want to hang out? Like, and Anybody want a beer? Where should we go? <laughs> yeah, then picks up <laughs> the tab. Great. That's pretty cool. And yeah, a lot of people showed yeah. up too. From, judging from the pictures and uh as and a then, millionaire should do yeah multi-millionaire well not yet i think it hasn't got those paychecks yet but now. that's true yeah. that's true the paychecks haven't come through yet i don't know he, he might maybe but, maybe yeah, there's like some that sort was, of uh that's just super cool yeah maybe there's some sort of way you can expense it as a donor outreach or something um but there uh yes yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, obviously, man, like what a weekend for him to uh, start. Um, he got to meet Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously a lot's happened since our last podcast. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, so obviously he got introduced on Thursday. What were your impressions of that that uh, introductory yeah, conference? Yeah, so... I actually just watched that because <laughs> I just had not had time uh, to watch watch his his speech and his uh, you know his uh, answers to his to the questions and things like that. I had seen some clips here and there, and um, I think the thing that uh, kind of surprised me the most is uh, the way that he's able to command a room, um, and it's fairly it's fairly effortless. Um, and you know, being a former quarterback, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of that, right? Where, uh, right. you know, you're the leader of the offense, and so you just, you know, you kind of learn how to how to command a group of people. But um, he just uh, has this presence about him that is, uh, and again, you know, comparisons. Uh, you know, kind of says earlier, but you know, when you when you make a change, you know, comparisons are going to be inevitable, right? So he's going to get compared to Leach and et cetera, et cetera. But um, obviously, very different style. Than, than Mike Leach. And not that, again, anytime we make comparisons, there's always this temptation to be like, oh, well, does he think this other thing wasn't good? Like, like, you know, no. Like, Mike Leach was obviously very successful doing it the way he did, and and that was awesome. And this can also be awesome, right? Um, he just, he, he has this presence about him that just sort of... Um, has has a feel of authority like I, I i don't know a better way to describe it um and so he just you know he looks you straight in the eye and he says things matter of factly says you know this is the way that we're gonna do it and we're gonna accomplish these things and and you just are sort of inclined to believe him you know right off the top um, i can only imagine how the first players meeting went um and how much you know i know a bunch of those guys tweeted afterward that they were um, you know, super fired up about, uh, get, we're getting ready to get to work. So I can only imagine, you know, I got, I got, you know, we all got a, a tiny little glimpse of that during his, during his news conference, but you can just see, um, the belief that he has in what he's doing, the belief that he has in where the program is going to go. Um, I, I mean, I can only imagine how the interview with Chun went, 
like just i i mean i imagine he impressed the pants off him um right so you know like that was sort of my big takeaway i know other people took away you know the whole we're gonna recruit washington and we're gonna you know i mean great great like i'm not against that but i also don't think that's um quite as big of a deal as as other people think um you know i also don't you know i don't freak out about you know putting you know, greater emphasis on the Apple Cup or whatever, but, you know, good for him for the whole, you know, 317 thing, right? Whether people want to argue about whether it's 316 or 317, but, uh, you know, his days until the Apple Cup quote obviously uh, went over really, really well. So, you know, I think it was about as good of an introduction as you could have. Uh, he's He clearly knows his audience, uh, right. you know, again, as evidenced by, you know, hey, let's go get some beers. Um, you know, he, I, 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 you know, I don't think it could have gotten off to a, to a better start. Uh, and I don't know how you feel about that. Not, you know, and again, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that remains to be seen, obviously. I mean, he's hiring, you know, news broke uh, yesterday about defensive coordinator, um, you know, guy from Wyoming. You know, he's loading up his staff with group of five coaches, which makes me a little nervous. Um, I understand why he would bring all his Hawaii guys. You know, he's teaching a very unique and intricate offense. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, kind of piling on with, uh, you know, a bunch of group of five defensive guys. You know, I, I worry about that. Not not from a coaching standpoint. I'm just, you know, coach, they're good coaches everywhere. But um, I worry about that a little bit from a recruiting standpoint. So anyway, those, those are some of the things that are kind of floating around my head right now. Well, they... And yeah, I understand. We mean that group of five. Uh, um, so Jake Dickert is the um, defensive coordinator. Um, I got to think. So uh, the Hazelton from Kansas State was a kind of a rumored option. Um, my guess is he wasn't willing to make that, even though he knows Rolovich, um, wasn't willing to make that kind of lateral move um, after just one year at Kansas State. Uh, I'm guessing he right. recommended Dicker because Dicker coached underneath of him at Wyoming. And so he's coached for, this right. is his first year. This was his first year as an FBS defensive coordinator. They were a good defense. Like they were like better than uh, most WSU defenses that we've had lately. They were 24th in yards per play, um, 29th in success rate against six and success rate allowed, uh, good against the rush um they were uh very good against the rush less good against the pass but uh he's coached some good dbs i don't you know that went to the nfl he was a defensive backs coach before um so you know yeah like you said from a coaching standpoint from the recruiting standpoint yeah I, i see what you mean there it's also he um According to Wyoming, he brought over two of his coaches, so there's still quite a few positions to fill. Um, so hopefully they can, you know, fill those with other guys. To, uh, maybe you know, not not saying that the, those guys aren't good uh, aren't good uh, recruiters, but um, maybe some guys that have more experience recruiting to a, a power five school and not not a group of five school. Um, yeah, but yeah. So so yeah, there's still obviously a, quite a few hires to make. Uh, defensively and offensively um because uh i i he brought his uh, defensive ends coach and cornerbacks coach with him so you still have linebackers and um i that's i don't think we had a separate defensive ends and 
defensive tackles coach, uh, but we might yeah. now. <laughs> um, yeah. Them, well, you're you're allowed ten. You're allowed ten assistants. Uh, if I if I if I've counted right, uh, Rolovich is bringing four from Hawaii. I still um, not sure so that four. I I he he brought the passing game coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting hired there, but um, at Hawaii. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's probably maybe like three, two or three spots left. So yeah, yeah it, I, I would like for them. It, see, this is the hard part of it, and this is where, you know, maybe this is a thing, maybe it's not. But um, when you've got a guy who has spent almost all of his career within a certain circle, Mm-hmm. They don't the, the 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 tentacles don't go out very far, right? So when when Leach got here, obviously, I mean, he'd been coaching for a long time. Uh, had you know coached in a number of different locations, had lots and lots of former players who had been coaches. Like, um, you know, when he put together his first staff, you know, he was pulling in dudes who you know who had been coaching for a while and knew what they were doing. And then when he, it was time to replace some of those guys, he obviously made some really great hires with you know with Roy Manning and Ken Wilson, and you know, I mean, like. He just made some really, really great hires there and put together that basically the second iteration of his staff was amazing. Well, with Rolovich, it's like, you know, he has spent almost all of his career at Hawaii, except for the four years he was in Reno. And that, and that includes like his playing career. And I mean, everything. Right. So, um, you know, the the tree hasn't gone out very far. Right. So, you know, right. you see that he hired a, a defensive coordinator from Hawaii, from Wyoming that had connections to Hawaii. Right. So I, I get a little again, just not to throw I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on the thing, but I do get a little bit concerned about that because that's that is how coaches that is how these staffs get put together is, you know, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. Um, somebody recommends somebody who recommends somebody and, and the more people, you know, and the farther out that tree goes, uh, the more likely you are to be able to bring in a quality guy, someone who's going to say, um, you know, like somebody's going to recommend a guy and say, Hey, to this guy, you know, yeah, you should go up and, and work for Rolovich. That'll be a great move for you. You know, recommend that sort of thing. Um, it really is all about networking. That's why a lot of these hires get done at like AFCA conferences, right? Where it's like, right. you know, dudes are all just hanging out. People start talking, informal interviews, things like that, networking. Um, and I mean, let's be real. This is how the rest of us also get our jobs, right? So, right. you know, coaching's no different. It's, it's, you know, you work with people, you know, you hire people, you know, that's also part of the reason why, you know, th- there's been such a difficult time getting, uh, getting African-American coaches moving up the ranks, but I guess that's a different conversation, but it is how things get done. And so I, like I said, just, uh, just mildly, mildly, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping with these last few hires, uh, you know, we see some guys who, who are maybe, um, you know, exciting sort of, you know, uh, you know, established power five guys who are not say the, um, you know, the Jeff Phelps rock bell and Tony types, but more maybe the, the Manning types, you know, who, right. uh, you know, can maybe, you know, really make a difference, um, really make a dent recruiting. Cause I, I think the guys they brought in are the teacher types. So I'd really like to see him fill out the rest of the staff with recruiter types. Yeah. And, uh, I would suspect they, are going to do that but it um it's just uh, making the right hires and like you said leach kind of didn't do that at first and then and then was able to um you know hire some guys who eventually were hired by oregon but um (laughs) yeah well you know 
a lot of our fans wanted those guys to come back, and I'm like, well, me too, but come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're right. They're not coming back. They're not leaving that place. Are you kidding me? They're pulling that in just top 10 recruiting classes. <laughs> yeah, they're pulling in top 10 recruiting classes. They just want a Rose Bowl. They're being paid handsomely. They ain't coming back to Pullman. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Goodness. I do I do appreciate that kind of optimism, though. I can. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got to be optimistic, like I said, I can appreciate man. appreciate it. But. So, yeah, I – yeah, overall though, um obviously our uh it's been a it's kind of wild like just how um Rolovich has asserted himself in the first you know few days and uh it's uh, I think they've they've done well with that again. Um uh, WSU do, doing stuff right. We're getting used to this and and hopefully you know like you said he nails those hires. Um it seems like a fun seems like if we can win it'll be fun. Uh, like beyond the winning yeah. like just you know have someone that's fun to root for and and has a good yeah. time and um so that's 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 what it comes down to um i i think from a you know from a scheme like standpoint it, it seems like this defensive coordinator hire is a good one um wyoming has had some good defenses that he's been involved with um yep. and uh the the if if he's a you know any sort of disciple or any, any if if he's influenced by uh, Hazelton, then I, I think um, I, I I was I was looking at Hazelton and and he he he's a guy who improved defenses and and actually he's uh, Wyoming seemed to improve a bit um, this year on defense from Hazelton's last defense so um, hopefully and that was with losing some um, pretty good defensive backs so um, yeah, hopefully uh, he did take over least... a pretty good he took over a pretty good situation though. Yeah. That's the part that concerns me. Like he did, they they did not have to. He did not have to rebuild something himself. So, well, on the re- this is quite. Different. I mean, if, it, if we're looking at the recruiting side, obviously, um, uh, Rolovich is in Seattle this weekend recruiting the area. Um, for those of you that, <laughs> yeah, that was so. Those you, so um, <laughs> and uh, um, I've heard he's going to be here all week, pretty much, like just doing visits and stuff. Uh, so they uh, they offered a, a kid from Kentwood, who's a four or three star, depending on where you look. Um, whose coach is Michael Bush, so it makes you wonder why. Like, yeah, how about that? You know, it does make you wonder why he wasn't offered at least before. <laughs> um, so it just makes you wonder what's what was going on there between you know what the Leach staff didn't see. Um, with this uh, guy who has got a Coug football coach and, and uh, you, you got to think that they were, he was on their radar, but they didn't want to offer him. So um, I think we're, we're going to see a lot of cornerbacks and, and defensive players get offered with the last, you know, how many we have like six scholarships or so uh, left. Um, and so. Yeah. Depending uh, on if they don't lose anybody. So. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, hasn't been reported anyone yet, but um, correct. But the yeah, it's, so that was a guy that was interesting. Um, his name is escaping me right now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it. I, I guess like if if you're worried about uh, w, like WSU recruiting um, Washington, that that may be a guy you could look at and be like, well, why aren't they recruiting him? Um, he's committed to Arizona currently um but that um i don't know how yeah he's not signed though 
So he committed to them, but he Correct. didn't sign in the early. So he's been committed since before the early signing period, but didn't sign. So something's up there. Maybe obviously his recruited recruitment is still open. Um. So his uh shit, <laughs> his his name is. I'm scrolling back through. Uh, <laughs> That's alright. Damn it! I can't I mean, find it now. <laughs> I tend to think maybe it's. Yeah, I tend to think maybe it's an academic issue. Uh, you know, if he didn't sign yet and, and didn't have a lot of other offers for a guy who, or, or, you know, it's, it's also possible. Maybe he just blew up his senior year. Um, cause well, he committed Arizona, to, I think he committed to Arizona way back, like in July or so. The, uh, on the, from yeah, our, Arizona's um, fire. from, from, uh, Arizona desert swarm, it said that he had an offer from air force. So I don't, that, that'd be weird if he had. Yeah. So that was the one thing that didn't compute. Air force. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I beats me. Really, it beats yeah, me. May, maybe. But it's you just can also a... you can also pick up you can also pick up an, an offer from Air Force with not the best academics. Uh, obviously, you got to meet a certain threshold. But they they do sometimes send those kids off to prep school too. So because they mm-hmm. have a they have a prep academy, you know, for a fi- basically for a fifth year for for some of those kids. I had a student. Uh, I had a student at uh, at, at Rogers who um, went to Army, played football at Army, but he went to their prep school for a year, so which is not totally uncommon for those guys. So anyway, yeah. I you know I don't know, I don't know, you know it's, who knows for whatever reason we didn't offer him before. He doesn't have you know for a for a kid that twenty four seven thinks is a four star kid, he doesn't have a lot of uh, you know he's got a lot of uh, Mountain West Conference offers and not a lot of Power Five offers, and yeah, yeah. Um, so something something was up. I don't know what, but. Um, you know, it'd be cool if we could get him. You know, he's six one. He's uh, it's apparently highly thought of. So he needs either he's been holding out for something better, or there's a reason why other people have been staying away. So yeah, um, so yeah, that Washington recruiting. You know, Rolovich delivering right away. Um, right away. Right away. Let's go. Let's, Build a fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's do it. I oh, I did. You 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 tweeted this, so, but I we got to say it on the podcast too. You said Rolovich's um, opening uh, conference was like uh, Die Hard Cougs Bingo. So <laughs> it really was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, saying the whole, you know, we're gonna recruit Washington. We're gonna, you know, the Apple Cup matters again. Um, you know, that kind of, I mean, he didn't say matters again. He, he didn't say that, but it was, you know, that was heavily implied, right. Um, that, you know, he, he, it was, listen, it was really obvious that he had, uh, done his homework. Like, I, I mean, really everything he's done here, it's pretty obvious he's done his homework. Um, you know, he knows what's important to people. Um, you know, the, the one thing he said in the press conference was, is that he looked forward to hanging, I'm paraphrasing, but looked forward to hanging out with Coog so that he could learn about what it means to be a Coog and about right. our history and about, and, and then, um, to hear him, it, it was funny watching that today and hearing him say that today in the context of last night, right. Where he throws it out there. Hey, any Cougs want to go get a beer basically. Um, and then he meets up with them and then, you know, by all accounts, you know, spent, you know, that whole time, you know, talking to people. Um, you know, I, I think he really does. I think he really is a keen listener. 
um, and a thoughtful guy. Uh, and he's he's open to new ideas. Now, I'm guessing that's why he and Leach sort of hit it off because Leach is very much like that. I know maybe people don't always see that side of Mike Leach, but um, he's a really curious dude. Um, you know, one of my interactions, personal interactions with him was um, I was over for spring practice last year. I know I talked about this on the podcast, you know, whatever, 10 months ago. But, um, you know, I was over there in, in Pullman, downtown Pullman flooded. And I was in on a, a, a you know, position meeting with Leach and, you know, watch the whole thing. Well, after it was over, you know, we all started kind of talking about, yeah, wasn't that rain crazy? And Leach hadn't really seen uh, any of the damage. And I just happened to have some of the pictures on my phone from, from Twitter, you know? And so I showed it to him and he's like, wow. And he's like looking at all the pictures, he started asking questions, you know, he's just like, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, Rolovich seems like that kind of guy too. Just kind of curious guy, uh, maybe obviously a different style, but, um, a good listener, um, just someone who, um, who wants to, wants to learn things, wants to know stuff, um, and, and is, is committed to, um, being a part of it. You know, he, re- he referenced family a lot and, and I think he feels like, um, he's joining a family here and he's, he feels like he has to earn his way into that. And, and I know he said that to the players and sometimes we kind of look at that and go, well, yeah, of course, you know, the players are really tight. That's an atmosphere down there. You know, those guys spend a lot of time together. That's really a family, but I think that's really extended out to just sort of the, the, the WSU family as a whole, you know, and, and I think he's already gotten a glimpse of just kind of how tight we are and how, um, you know, it's a little bit different. I know he's, he's coming from an environment that was like that, you know, in Hawaii where family is so important. And, and I think that's the sort of thing that, that he's going to be able to sell, um, you know, when he's out recruiting and, and in particular, if he's able to go, you know, back out to the islands and, you know, potentially Samoa, um, you know, selling that family atmosphere and, and saying, you know, this is part of what makes us, us is, is this, this family, this back home, this, you know, just all of this. Um, it's a special thing that is in general, not always, but in general limited to people who went to the school because it is so, um, it is so remote and, and it's not located in a, in a population center. So, um, I think he just, he gets it, he gets it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that, that he's kind of doing and saying all the right things. Yeah, absolutely. And just for the people that were probably screaming at their dial, um, his name, um, um, Alfonso Oywak, um, probably pronounced that way wrong, um, was the cornerback recruit from <laughs> Good luck, buddy. that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, now, now you know what it feels like for me on the first day of school. <laughs> it's always like that. Going down the roster, just going, eh, I don't know. I'm just going to try. I'm going to shoot my shot. Anyway, you shot your shot. Good job, Craig. Yeah, I did my best. Did your best. A for effort. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, a teacher. Uh, I give you that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, new head coach, new number in the rafters at Beasley Coliseum. Uh, what, a, what a week. Just, yeah, uh, how about here's another thing from last week that we hadn't talked about yet. Morgan Weaver going to oh, yeah. two overall, right? Yeah. yeah. Going to Portland, God damn it. I know. But but I'm happy for her. But yeah, I you know, her. I was really hoping that she would end up <laughs> with the rain because she's from University Place, so she's right by. Yeah. And uh, right she, next door. Uh, she, uh, I was, I was, I, no matter where she was drafted, except for one team, I was going to buy B a little Morgan Weaver 
jersey, but I'm not going to buy her a Portland one. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Can't do that's that. That's too far. Yeah, yeah that's that's, okay. that is I, one. That is a line we cannot cross. I hope she has a lot of hat tricks and four three losses. Yeah, there we go. I, I look forward to. Uh, I look forward to uh, if she can make it on the U.S. roster. I can. Yeah, you can get her one of those. Get B one of those. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, super cool, man. Just like it's it's incredible, like all the cool stuff that's that's going on right now. Um, actually had two players drafted they had a yeah grad avery collins a grad transfer from stanford uh she got drafted 17th overall um i was thinking uh i doubt that in any sport wc's had two players go in the first 17 picks of a draft i don't um obviously that's uh, a safe assumption yeah the i mean the uh from what i've heard and read the the nwcl draft is kind of weird you kind of have the option to participate or not like more so that it's not as kind of ingrained into how player acquisition as it is in like the NBA or, or the NFL or MLB or whatever, but or, um, it's not, it's not as required. Like apparently some players can just kind of skip it and, and find their own way. Yeah. Um, but well, uh, the concept of a draft is, is uniquely American. Like it's right. hilarious too, because we are the most, you know, proudly capitalist society. And yet we have this profoundly socialist <laughs> mechanism for distributing talent into our sports leagues, which is sort of bonkers, but cause nobody else on the planet does that. They, you know, they just, they buy their players, <laughs> you know, Hey, you're available. <laughs> let's, let's sign you. You know, uh, they, they develop with youth academies or whatever. And, and MLS is even moving that direction. Their, their draft is practically meaningless now. Uh, yeah, I think the it, NWSL it's probably probably will get there eventually, but yeah, not. Well, yet. the NWSL is p- part of the, the issue is that the the college soccer is still like their primary um, right. resource for players, development. like yeah. development. Like you, you you're seeing the MLS move a lot more towards academies, um, yep. but I don't think the the academies aren't set up quite as strongly. They do have them. Not every team has them. I don't think. Um, I, and I'm speaking on my ass right now, honestly, but, uh, but, but it, they're not as, in, they're not as a big of a deal as they've become for like teams like the Sounders and, oh, and yeah. other MLS teams. Um, I know that they have it, but it's, uh, but it's still like the college players, the big programs in college, like North Carolina and Stanford, they feed and the NWSL quite a bit and, and the, and the uh, national team. So it's it still has some relevance, um, uh, and and Weaver wasn't expected to go that high from what I no. read before, and nope. um, so and Portland had already traded up for the number one pick, and then they traded up again for the number two pick, so that they could get Weaver specifically when Weaver wasn't um, projected to go until like the tenth or tenth pick or so. Um, but it's really cool that, uh, um, to see they had that much belief in her. Obviously that, that tournament run, I think did a lot for Morgan and a lot for probably Avery Collins and and a lot of the Cougs as well, a lot for the program, but, um, for Morgan specifically, I I think it was kind of, there was this potential that a lot of people knew she had that maybe her senior year, she didn't quite deliver on until the end of the season. Um, just to have that fact to, to be able to star in, in, in the biggest, uh, in the biggest stage was, I think really helped her out. And, and, um, she kind of proved that 
she had the she had the physical ability she had the talent she proved that she can deliver it and yeah I'm, you know i'm i'm super happy for her like it is a bummer that she's like as a as a rain fan like that she got it's it's like i don't know if if i i'm trying to think of another sport like the soccer the rivalries are a little more intense they're more like college yeah. rivalries so it'd be like it'd i mean be they'd like be like That'd be like Gardner Minshew going to the 49ers or something like, and you'd be like, yeah. shit, you know? I mean, it was right? when day on, when day Buchanan went to the Cardinals, that was a bummer because he was in the division Seahawks division. Like, yeah. so I was like, ah, oh, could you just go anywhere else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though the situation was really good for him there, but um, it, it seems like situation is really good for Morgan. If they traded up to get her in it with the second pick. So I, I hope it works yeah. out really well for her. Um, she's got potential to be a, you know, a star and, and someone for Kooks to be proud of. So yeah. even if it's, it's important, I know there's a, I know there's a lot of Kooks from Southwest Washington and Portland. So they're probably yes. super excited. I actually have yes. a, I, I know of a very specific person who, who's really excited. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, like we had talked about, like I've talked about Cougar soccer with her and, and we, you know, we razz each other about yep. the Timbers and Sounders yep. and, and. But it's it's actually, and we'll say, and you might have been ready to make this point, but it's far and away the best um, crowds and atmosphere in yeah, in, um, in WSL in Portland. Say. Yeah, they'll take they will take very good care of her, and so yeah, and I've got I've got friends too. You know, my friend Brian Brian Setzler. Hello, good job. I know you'll take good care of her down there. Um, you know, she'll she'll she will love playing down there. And which, you know, as much as it pains me to say that, um, you know, she'll love it. And she's still, you know, reasonably close to home, which is cool. And, um, yeah, always good to, uh, you know, put people in the pros, uh, you know, especially when you have a program that, um, is, you know, uh, dead set on trying to maintain the success, you know, of going to the, going to the college cup. So, um, you know, this certainly doesn't hurt, you know, come to Wazoo and, uh, look what you're going to turn into. It's always a good selling point for sure. Yeah, and just to to drive the point home with the Portland Thorns, they uh, they average uh, they play in the same stadium as the Timbers. They average uh, just over twenty thousand fans per game. Uh, the next highest yeah. is Utah, is just under eleven, and the rain yeah. was at five thousand two hundred thirteen this year. So um, it's right. quite a quite quite a difference in. Uh, and I'll tell you, I, they they came up for two games in. Uh, against in Tacoma f- for the rain, and they had a full-on supporters group come up, like a cheering section, everything. Like it, it was just like with an a, a, an MLS team or whatever. And that's and all the games I went to uh, this year at all the rain matches. Uh, that was the only team that did that. So and obviously they're the closest, but it was still uh, like an entire section completely right. full, standing yeah. up, cheering, chanting, Which all that cool. stuff. So. So it's yeah, and and there'll be some kooks there, and and so she'll she'll get some go kooks, and she'll have some cougar banners, and so that's cool that she's in the northwest, and she'll have that proximity. Yep. Um, I just uh, um, I hope she doesn't win in her hometown. <laughs> Me too. Me too. All right. Anything else? Uh oh, man, think? busy. Yeah, I almost forgot about that Morgan so Morgan Weaver and soccer stuff. So it's just been too busy of a week it's all got to happen i know within within five days of each other but it's crazy it's absolutely crazy never a shortage of things to talk about right yeah all right man yeah well all right 
like subscribe a, send us emails yeah, subs- whatever subs- subscribe um go ahead and sub- subscribe on itunes or whatever rate us five stars on itunes or whatever you use uh leave us a comment if you can um uh if you want to send us an email podcast versus everyone that's with a vs podcast versus everyone at gmail.com uh you can follow jeff at pod versus everyone on twitter you can follow me at the craig powers uh what else i think that's all the plugging of things you list to the kook center hour michael's been uh putting out a lot more episodes and uh this off season there's been a lot going on so awesome. uh, i saw that we we've already had this will be yeah. our eighth epi- eight, eighth episode this month on the kook center feed so you're definitely getting plenty of content here yeah and hopefully this basketball team can keep it rolling and we'll we'll have fun throughout the spring so yeah. uh think i think i think that's it that's all and go kooks all right man go kooks